The God we serve specializes in doing the impossible. That's what he is all about. You, you, anyone who will take time to read this book, you'll probably find in most chapters, if not most pages, there is some kind of a miracle. We serve the God of the supernatural, and he wants you to experience that in your life. You know, he parts the Red Sea. Amazing. So all his people can go through on dry ground, and the enemy comes and they get all drowned. It's incredible. He, he, he stops the sun. Hello? He stops the sun so that Joshua can win the battle. Well, why should that surprise us? He created the sun. <laughs> he can stop it. He can start it. He can, he can do anything he wants. He is God. And I think we just need to remember more and more the power of the God that we serve. Acts 2.22, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which he did through him in your midst. Doing the impossible is the signature of Jesus. That's what he is all about. You know, you, you want to, if someone asks you, how do you know this is the true God? You can point to the miracles. It's his signature. It's what he is all about, what he loves to do. And in this new era that we've entered into, guess what? God's going to anoint you and me to invade the impossible, bring heaven to earth, see the miraculous take place, and see the uh, astounding in our lives. In fact, for some of you, can I prophesy that breakthrough that you have longed to see for decades in this new era, we're going to start seeing those breakthroughs take place. You see, never give up on God. Doesn't matter how long you've been praying, how long you've been believing, never give up on God. So it's time to lift our expectations, lift our vision higher than ever before. You know, it's, it's what we see in the Bible, and these things should actually be the norm, not the exception. So what I want to talk about this morning is what I consider maybe the most significant biblical key to invading the impossible, to releasing the supernatural. And the great thing about what I want to talk about is anyone can do this. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian or whether you've been a Christian 75 years. It doesn't matter if you're a mature Christian or you're an immature Christian. Whether you live a holy life or you've still got problems with sin and wrong thoughts and pornography or whatever it might be, no one is excluded. Everyone can do this, and that's the great thing about our God. When he puts out a key, he makes it available to every single person that is a follower of Jesus. In fact, you don't even need to be intelligent. You can be as thick as two planks. Not that anyone here is, all right? But in case someone is, hey, you're not out of it any either as well. So what I want to talk about today is something you've heard a lot about, but I hope to bring it out in a fresh way that will just capture your heart and make you rethink uh, this thing that we do all the time. I'm actually talking about the whole area of praise, of worship, and of singing. You know, the major reason, I think, a, a major reason that we should worship God is because it makes God bigger than your problem. It magnifies the Lord. So, the, you know, your God gets larger and larger and larger. Your faith increases. Your problem gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So the more you worship, the more you praise, the bigger God gets, and that's the key, a key to invading the impossible, releasing the supernatural power of God. Psalm 22, verse 3, you know it well. God inhabits the praises of his people. Isn't it amazing? 
Every time you really begin to engage in singing worship, God comes. I mean, isn't that the dream of life for God to come, to visit us, to meet with us? Hey, this is what can happen in praise and worship. So one of the insider secrets that the devil does not want any of you to understand or fully understand or fully realize is that praise and worship can release your breakthrough. You see, he doesn't care. I shouldn't say this, but he doesn't care how often you come to church. He doesn't care how often you enter praise or start singing. He doesn't care as long as you don't realize that as you begin to sing, as you begin to worship, it can unlock heaven, it can invade the impossible, it can release your miracle and your breakthrough. If you're singing away, barely engaged, not expecting much to happen, I don't think the devil cares. He probably actually even helped you sing that way. He doesn't want you to understand what we call the insider secret. And I think when the church wakes up more fully to this truth, we're going to see the impossible become possible. It's what God wants to do. So in the New King James Version, I don't know about other versions, worship's mentioned 116 times in the Bible. Praise 226 times. Sing 99 times. Exalt 34 times. Bless 124 times. Now, it's not always to do about God, but nevertheless, the point is, it comes out a total of 599 times. So you've got to ask the question, why would God 599, let's say 600 times, there may be a few thousand pages in, the, in your Bible, and almost every few pages, God says, praise me, bless me, exalt me, magnify me. Why does he have an insecurity problem? Does he have an ego problem like some of us? You know, like we need to be praised and lifted up and, make, you know, honored so that we feel good about ourselves. As Mike Pilavachi says, you know, let's talk about my favorite topic, me. God doesn't have any of those problems. So the reason we ask, the question is that there's a principle we have to understand again, another principle. It's a simple one. Anything God asks you to do, anything, is because it's going to be of massive benefit to you, all right? So, for example, he asks you to forgive people. Why? For the other person's sake? No. For God's sake? No. It's for your own sake that you forgive. He says, don't get bitter. Why? So that you're not bitter with someone? No. So that God's... No. Don't get bitter because it's the right thing. It's, it's going to massively bless you. God says, generous. Be generous. Why? Does he need your money? No way. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the money on the planet. <laughs> he don't need your money. The bank of heaven is not going broke. It's not an overdraft. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your generosity. You need your generosity. It's going to bless you. It's going to do you good. It's going to open heaven over your life and Pour out so much of God's grace and mercy in your life. So the reason we are called to praise, exalt, magnify, bless all the time, it is the best thing you can do in your life. Show me a person who has a lifestyle of praise and worship, and I'll show you a victorious person who walks under the favor and the blessing of God. It's just the way God inhabits that person. So, as we step into this new era that we're in right now, we're going to see the impossible become possible a whole lot more often. 
We're going to invade the invisible and see God do things, more and more extraordinary things. And that's one reason we've got this thing on tonight. It's just an opportunity for you to invade the impossible and take another step towards your breakthrough. I heard the story of this preacher, and he's selling his horse. And uh, so this guy comes along to check it out, and he says, well, this horse only understands church talk. So if you want him to go, you've got to say, praise the Lord. If you want him to stop, you have to say, amen. So the man gets on his horse, testing it out, and he says, praise the Lord, and it starts to trot. Starts to trot. Goes, goes, goes what? And he says, praise the Lord again. Starts to gallop. And then it comes right to this edge of this cliff. And, and nervously, the man shouts out, amen. And the and the horse stops just at the edge of the cliff. He wipes the sweat off his brow and says, praise the Lord. <laughs> Over the cliff he goes. All right. Psalm 119, 164. Seven times a day I praise you. Well, my question is, why seven times? Come on, God, give us a break. Well, why not three? Why not two? Why not once? Why not 50? Why seven times? I mean, how do you do it seven times? Well, for some of you, just praise and worship God every time you eat. You'll probably get to 20 times a day. Some of you, not all of you. Some of you, all right. But seven is the number of completeness, isn't it? Creation took seven days. Everything was complete. So it's talking about living a lifestyle. It's not about a number of times. It's a lifestyle of praise and worship. So you praise and worship throughout the day. It's not just five minutes in the morning, God, I worship you, I bless you, exalt you, and then go and do your own thing. No, no, throughout the day, we maintain that lifestyle. That's the key to unlocking heaven. That's the key to invading the impossible. That's the key to breakthroughs in our lives. In 1 Chronicles 9.33, watch this. 1 Chronicles 9.33, very obscure scripture. It says, uh, the singers were employed in that work day and night. So it appears to me that in the temple, they worshipped God day and night, 24 and never stopped. Imagine if we tried to do that here. Every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, someone was in this room praising and worshipping. Now, we're not about to try that unless God spoke to us to do that. But I guarantee you this much, I guarantee this place would be packed with the presence of God. I reckon when people walked in the doors, they would get a miracle. Because God inhabits the praise of people. So the more you praise, the more you worship, the more God inhabits your life, inhabits your circumstances, inhabits your problems, inhabits your situation. It is a very, very powerful key. So praise, and, praise to God should never stop. In fact, it never stops in heaven, does it? 24 seconds. They're just going to keep praising for billions of years. It's never going to stop. But did you know another thing? There is praise and worship to God every day, right now, 24-7. As the sun rises in nation after nation after nation, somewhere on the planet, somebody is getting up to lift praise and to lift worship to God. Our God, across the globe, is being worshipped 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, every minute and every second. And that, my friends, is one reason why there are miracles taking place across the globe every single second of every single day. Praise releases the impossible, unlocks heaven, and God is able to work in a wonderful way. So, back to the seven times a day. This, I was, when I was preparing this, the seven captured my heart. Then I began to think of all these examples of seven. So let me give you some of them. Elijah 
prayed for rain. 1 Kings 18, 43. Seven times he said, go. Came to pass the seventh, not the fifth time, fourth time, but the seventh time, completeness. He said, there's a cloud as small as, uh, as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So seven, completeness of prayer. He just kept on praying. Not, not necessarily prayed seven times, but just a continuous offering of prayer to God. Seven times. Naaman's got leprosy. 2 Kings 5.40, he went down dipped seven times in the Jordan River. Again, seven times, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So he had to dip in the water seven times. I don't think the actual number is probably the key. Well, only, only to the extent that makes it completeness. So he just chases miracle to completeness. He couldn't stop after five times. Nothing would have happened. He couldn't stop after six times. Even if he went down six and a half times, no miracle. Seven, completeness. Seven, here's another one, Proverbs 24, 16. I love this one. For the righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. See, the fact is, you will repeatedly fall. You will fail. You will make mistakes. Guess what? With God, it's okay. He's made an allowance for your mistakes. Aren't you glad of that? Because all of you made some mistakes yesterday. You said, Pastor, no, I didn't. I guarantee you did. I guarantee you had an attitude you shouldn't have had. You had a thought you shouldn't have had. You said something you shouldn't have said. You didn't pray as long as you should have prayed. Hey, we all made mistakes yesterday. Thank God he is bigger than our mistakes. You are going to fall. You are going to make mistakes. I was going to say tell the person next to you, but some people might get freaked out by that. But it's the truth. You're going to make mistakes. Make allowance for it. But... When you have a lifestyle of praise and worship, you will get up every single time. You will rise to fight again. You will rise to move again. In fact, I'm going to preach a message, probably hopefully not too far away, about the importance of failure and the importance of mistakes. It's, it's a massive topic and a really important one. You spend your whole life trying to avoid mistakes and failure, you ain't going anywhere. All right? But that's another sermon. We'll get, okay, let's go back to seven times. Here's another one. Daniel 3.19. They, heard, they heated the furnace, how often? Seven times. There it is again, that number, why, why wasn't it six times? Seven times. So, and, and Shad, we know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out unscathed. So here's my point. No matter how severe your trial, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful, through a lifestyle of praise and worship, you can come out unscathed. You can come out with no bitterness, no disillusionment, no anger. You can come out closer to God. If you live that lifestyle of praise and reaching out to God, here's a statement for you. Don't allow the pain in your heart to affect the praise on your lips. Wow. Do you like that? Every person in this auditorium, upstairs, downstairs, you have got pain in your heart. If you haven't, you're not alive. You're not breathing. We all have pain. Let's get real here. There's, I have pain in my heart. There's things that I wish were different. I, I have pain in my heart. There's things I've experienced that still hurt. I, we all have. But hey, don't allow the pain in your heart to affect the praise on your lips because the praise on your lips is a key to reducing the pain in your heart. I'm not sure it'll get rid of it, but it can certainly reduce it. Okay, I'm not finished with the seven times. Some of you thought I was. Joshua 6, 15 to 16. They marched around the city seven times. Isn't it? It's just everywhere, this seventh thing. It's, it's amazing. And uh, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Shout 
is a form of praise, and it released a breakthrough. Maybe there tonight there'll be a chance for a shout to God. I don't know, but it's, I've found breakthroughs in my life through the shout of praise. It is a very effective thing. Now, Jericho was surrounded by these massive walls. They were so huge, you can drive chariots on the, on the, on the tops of the walls. These were massive walls. And, and Israel, amazing, they had an army of hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands. So why not charge, you know? Imagine someone said, forget this praise and worship nonsense. Let's get in there and beat them up. They would have been totally defeated because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Right. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So God's strategy for the people to take the city was not this massive, powerful, awesome army. He said, no, give me some singers. Give me some people who can really sing. I don't care if they can't sing in tune, like the person next to you. I don't don't care if they don't have a good voice. Just give me some people who know how to sing, who know how to raise their voice, who know how to magnify the Lord, who know how to exalt the King of glory. Give me some singers. Give me some praises. Give me some worshipers, and I'll wipe the city to the ground. I'll knock down the walls. Friends, we all have walls in our life. Walls of obstacles, walls of obstruction, walls between us and another person. Maybe walls between us and a family member. Praise and worship can knock those walls down. Join us tonight. Release, invade the impossible, and see what God will do for you. True worship. I want to say something now as sensitively as I can because I love you guys and I don't want to upset anybody, but I think it's something I just as needs to be said, and that is this. True worship focuses in on God. And I think here we can make, I know I'm guilty, can make a big mistake. Sometimes I say, and maybe some of you have joined me, and sometimes we say, well, I'm really not getting much out of this worship today. In fact, I didn't get anything out of the worship, the singing, the music this morning. Friends, it's not the right point. It's not the issue. Let me tell you the real issue. Did God get anything out of your worship today? Out of your praise today? Because until God gets something out of my praise and worship, I'm not going to get anything from God out of my praise and worship. We've got to turn the tables around, friends. And you know, when we finish a church service and we leave, the question to ask at the end of it is not, what did I get out of that service? But what did I put into that service? You know, did, I, did, did, did my praise, my worship, did it, did it honor God? Did it bless God? Was he pleased with it? You know, did I reach out to people? Was I friendly? Did I serve in some way? Did I, did I pray for someone? What, did I engage with the preacher? Did I, did I listen? You know, imagine if every time we left the service, we had an assessment, not on the service, but on us, on you, and how you did in the service with your worship with your loving, with your reaching out, and you got a, 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 you know, something for out of 10. Thank you for that overwhelming response on that one. It's gone really quiet right now, hasn't it? We keep assessing everyone else, but I think God's actually sometimes assessing us. And here's my point. Why, in heaven's name, would you spend all this effort getting to get up in the morning, get up earlier? You could be out at the beach. You could be out on a boat. You could be 
playing golf. Well, that's a thought, isn't it? Could be playing golf. Well, to my league, I couldn't be playing golf today anyway, so that's why I'm here. But all these things, you know, you get up, you know, you get dressed, you, find, you change your clothing five times to make sure you've got the right outfit on because that's why you're coming to church. No, you're not actually, not here. That's the first service, people. Then you put on all your makeup, you know, your mascara, and then your lipstick, and your perfume, and then you have an argument with your wife, you yell at the kids, you kick the dog, you know, you, you fight for a car park, you get into the service, and, you know, the singing is too long, and the preaching is boring, and you think, man, why on earth, why, why, do, why, why should I waste my time? Well, if you do that, you know, and then you finally get to church, and you basically fall asleep, Just checking. You fall asleep. Friends, it's a total waste of time. You know? And I'm guilty of that too sometimes. I think, oh man, how many times do they have to sing that song? <laughs> I mean, God's not deaf. God heard you say it. I exalt thee. You know, you have to say it 20 times. You know? And now, look, it's, it's, it's 12.01. I, I, my mind stops at 12 o'clock. Why are they preaching so long today? He's been going on for 28 minutes. You know, why can't I stop? Now, I'm like, I can be like that. Of course, not when it's my service. It's only when I'm in other churches, you know. And usually I come away from those churches thinking, man, I didn't get anything out of that. Well, I now know why. I didn't give anything into it. See, what you give in is what you get out. Here's a question. Can I say it with all the love and grace that I can? Which is not a lot, but I'll try. <laughs> this church, what you're getting out? It's proportional to what you're putting in. Full stop. It's simple, isn't it? It's not rocket science. All right, let's move on because I might upset someone. I don't want to upset anybody. So in this new era, I am personally believing for incredible things, impossible things, amazing things. I'm, I'm, I know that I will go to another level, but I believe that's for every single one of us. So, and I think praise and worship is a key because that's what releases the power of God. So let me give you a quote. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. You've got to take a step. You know, you, people, we want to see the whole staircase, don't we? We want to see the whole deal. Rod and Delfina, heading off to church in Limited City. We all, yeah, 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 go Rod and Delfina. Folks, they're taking the first step. They can't see this whole staircase. They don't know what's going to happen over there. They, they don't know where they're going to live. They don't know how their jobs are going to work out. They don't know how many people are going to come in. They don't know if this thing's going to work or not going to work. But friends, you take the first step. That's faith without seeing the whole staircase. If you wait for the whole staircase, folks, you will do nothing with your life. We've gone to the trust arena. Hey, it's the first step. I can't see the whole staircase. I'm not sure what is going to happen. Is it nerve-wracking? Yes. Is it intimidating? Yes. But I, I believe it's God. And so even though I can't see the whole thing, it's a step we're taking. And we're moving forward with that. All right. Here's another quote. I can is 100 times more important than IQ. Uh-huh. Now, some of you have fantastic IQs. Good on you. Love that. For some of you others here, your IQ is... I'm not sure how to put this, but, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Guess what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. God gave you the EQ when he created you. IQ, sorry. He gave it to you when he created you. Whether it's right at the top or right down, 
does not matter. Does not affect what you can do for God. Does not affect the impact you can have for Jesus. Doesn't affect how fruitful you can be in the work of God. It's not IQ, it's I can. I can is the key. You see, my uh, grandchildren, Zach and Emma, wonderful kids that they are, sometimes, most times. <laughs> Occasionally it wears a bit thin. But anyway, they, they love watching Bob the Builder. How many of you are into Bob the Builder? Yeah, there's a few of you. First service, they're all into Bob the Builder. All right, but you guys are more mature. You've moved on to Sleeping Beauty and other things. <laughs> the thing about Bob the Builder that I like, they were watching it last night because they came around for a while, a long while actually. Very long while. Anyway, it's another story. It's another sermon. <laughs> in Bob the Builder, every so often, well, whenever there's a new job, they say, can, Bob says, can we fix it? And all his team say, yes, we can. Can we find it? Yes, we can. Friends, I believe it's time for you and I to say, I can Yes, we can a whole lot more than we've ever said it before. And it is perfectly biblical. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's time to step in to another level. So can you see your breakthrough? Yes, yes we can. Just say, yes, I can. Can you see your miracle? Yes, I can. Can we see New Zealand and beyond reached? Yes, yes we can. Hey, can we fill the trust arena? Can we fill the trust arena? There you go. It's not IQ, folks. I'm not that smart. But I can. I can. And so can you. So can you. So here's another quote. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Doesn't matter what IQ you've got, you're still right. If you think you can't, you can't. If you think you can, you can. So important, friends, that to understand some of these truths here. A new era is a time to say, I can a whole lot more. See, you can achieve much more than you're achieving today. I just know that you can. In fact, here's another quote for you. There is no man living who isn't capable of doing more than he thinks he can do. You see, that's Henry Ford again. You're capable of more. How many of you know that, right? Give me a wave. You know, I know, I know I am capable of infinitely more than I'm doing today. I just know that. Not because of who I am, but because God created me with seeds of greatness of to do the amazing things, to fulfill primarily the, God, the call of God on my life. So I'm always thinking, wow, wait, till, wait for next year. Wait for the year after. You think we're doing something now? Give us two or three more years. Hey, we can all do much more. See, this church, I prophesy, is full of high achievers. Every person in this place is a high achiever. I know that. I know that, and I believe that because you are made by God. You're created in His image. You've got gifts and abilities that will shock the world if you ever let them really loose. Don't ever let anyone put you down. You are a high achiever. You may not have yet experienced that in your life. So, every time you come on Sunday, practice the skill of praise and worship. Get better and better and better at it. Let me give you um, four reasons, four aspects of praise and of worship that I think can help us. The first thing, it's a key to relationship with God. It's a key to encounters with God. See, God inhabits the praises of His people. So when you come and you begin to worship and you praise, you see, you, you, you enter into a deeper relationship with God and you position yourself for an encounter. Here's a statement for you. You can celebrate God in a crowd, but you can only get to really know Him one-on-one. -on -one. See, the crowd's not the deal. See, some people, not here, no one here, I'm sure, but some people out there, 
try to build a relationship with God through a preacher, through a church, through a small group, or some other way. And, um, but that's not really the way to do it, you see. They need, some of these people need a group. They need music. They need everything to feel some connection with God. Remove all the props. No music. No sound. No lighting. No smoke machines. No preacher. You alone with God. Some people find, gosh, no sense of God. See, years ago, they had none of this. None of it. No, no, they had none of the props. But they could lock into God. They could pray for an hour. So let's build a relationship through worship and praise with our God individually and personally. You see, the whole basis of the Christian faith is I don't need a man to go to God for me. I can go direct to the throne of God myself. I want all of you to say this to me, okay, in your own heart, all right? Say, I want you to say, Pastor. No, no, don't, don't say it. Just in your heart, all right? Thank you for, for your obedience. It's absolutely astounding here. You can say, Pastor, I don't need you to get me to God. I don't need you to receive my miracle. I have the same access to God as you have. In fact, I can be as close to God as you, even closer than you. You can say that in your heart, friends. You don't need an operator to get a, a, a line to, G, to God. Jesus on the cross, remove the operator. No need for ever. You can go direct to God, person to person, call with Jesus. That's what it's all about. And praise and worship will develop your relationship with God, position you for encounters. That's what this evening is all about. Secondly, you become more like God. Become more like God. That's what's going to happen in the new era. Everyone here is going to become more like Jesus. You should tell the person, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Because you need to become more like Jesus for the sake of the person sitting next to you. Hello? Especially if it's your husband or your wife or the person you want to marry. That's assuming you're not married, okay? I'm working hard at this one. Why? Well, for your sake. I want to be more like Jesus because you'll benefit from it. When you become more like Jesus, everyone benefits. That's what happens. See, Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to ask you the question, are you becoming more patient? Okay. More long-suffering? I'm straining. Can someone get me a hearing aid? More self-control? I hope you are. Well, I hope I am. Worship will help you to become that. Now, if you're not sure whether you're becoming more like Jesus, just ask your husband, or ask your wife, or ask your kids, and you'll find out where you are tracking on this. You see, we become like what we worship. 2 Corinthians 3.18, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. You become like what you worship. So you worship a rock star, you'll end up looking like a rock star. Choose whichever one you want. If you worship a sports hero, Tana Umanga, you'll end up looking like him with his dreadlocks. <laughs> Whatever you worship, you become like. But as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I want to become like. Thirdly, healing. Listen to these scriptures, all based on worship. Here we go. A leper, Matthew 8, 1, 3. This is just paraphrased. A leper came to him and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put it out of his hand, touched him, saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy cleansed him. 
Matthew 9, verse 18 following. A ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus came to the ruler's house, went in, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Matthew 15, 21. woman of Cana cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. He answered her not a word. When you're going for a miracle and God's not coming through, all right, you're not getting the answer. Here's the key. So what does she do? It says, Then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me, and her daughter was healed. Worship is a key to healing. In the coming days, weeks, years, months, during our praise and worship, we are going to see a lot more people getting healed without anybody coming near them, without anyone touching them, because God invades the presence, uh, uh, the praises of, of his people, and we invade the impossible, bringing it to earth. Finally, praise and worship is a key to the salvation of family, friends, Nation, Psalm 149, that the high praises of God be in their mouth, two-edged sword in their hand, execute vengeance on the nations. High praise will defeat the enemies and help us impact nations. It will help us release revival power. As a church called to reach New Zealand and beyond, we need, we will see, you will see our music go to a whole new level and dimension because that's what's going to release the breakthroughs. That's what's going to bring heaven to it. The choir will play an important role in this. The choir of 200, if you've not yet signed up for that, paid up for that, please do so today. The choir is going to have a tremendous impact. Music overall will have a tremendous impact on New Zealand beyond 17. In this new era, it's going to see God's presence increase. We will invade the impossible. We will impact this nation and nations. It's time to give God the worship, the praise he so fully deserves. He is the bright and morning star. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the lily of the valley. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the prince of peace. He's the mighty God. He's our healer, our deliverer, our counselor, our everlasting father. He is king of kings and lord of lords. Thank you.